Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and excited to have with me today, Joyelle Brandt. So welcome, Joyelle. Hi, Terry. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So yeah, tell us what it is that you do. So I started out as a new parent and I was um, really having a rough time with new parenthood and I went looking for information as a survivor of childhood abuse. I didn't find any. And that led to me creating an anthology called Parenting with PTSD, which talks about how parents do this, how they get through parenthood as survivors of childhood abuse. And then that led to me doing speaking and coaching and working with parents. And um, it's been an amazing and uh, sometimes unexpected journey. Right. I love that. I love it. Um, You know, I've certainly had my conversations with my children. I have a 25-year-old, 23-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And the the older two, you know, we've had in-depth conversations where I've said, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Like, I was in such a state of turmoil for such a long time, and I feel like I hurt them in the process. Um, And so we've had discussions of, you know, whether they felt emotionally abandoned or, you know, because I was just caught in this whirlwind of panic attacks and trying to deal with the symptoms of my then undiagnosed. Um, I have CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder from multiple um, traumatic events. And, you know, had, didn't have a diagnosis. All I know is that I was just, you know, grasping at whatever I could to survive. So what you're doing is amazing. And thank you for that. Yeah, you know, we get messages quite often. Um, I'm one of two editors of Parenting with PTSD. So Don and I quite often get messages from people who are, now have grown children, but find our book and say, oh my gosh, I wish I had this information. When my kids were young, this helps me finally understand what was happening to me and what was why it was such a hard experience for me with my children. And I, wish I'd, I wish I'd had this information sooner. Right. Right. So you have uh, a book, you said? Okay. And what's what's the title of your book? So Parenting with PTSD is available on Amazon and it's an anthology. So we collected survivor stories. We have 26 writers in the book. So it's a collection of essays about their experiences of being in the moment with their kids during the middle of the day of parenting, your average day, and then suddenly having a, a trauma trigger come up. And how do, you, how do you manage that? How do you get through that moment? And so in addition to the essays, we also have journal questions after each essay so that people can use this as kind of a workbook. And we've often heard from people that they actually ended up taking this book into their sessions when they go in with a, a therapist or counselor because it helps them open up parts of the conversation that maybe they, they didn't have that little light bulb moment for previously. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, what a beautiful way to keep them engaged, not only with what they're reading, but yeah, like applying it to their lives. So yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's really encouraging. What we hear most often from people who read Parenting with PTSD is just that it's really helpful for them to feel like their experience is normalized and, and validated. And that it helps them finally feel like they can understand themselves. And the response we get most often is, thank you. I thought I was going crazy. Right. And I read your book and now I understand what's happening. Yes, very much so. Tell me about who, who's your target audience? Who is it that you want to reach? 
So we call it Parenting with PTSD because we wanted to address moms and dads. However, we do find that most of the people who are reaching out to us are mothers. So in my personal coaching practice, I focus on working mainly with moms. Although I've just opened up a new option in my coaching practice, which is for parents-to-be to come see me as they're getting ready to have their first child so that they can kind of work out a lot of the concerns that they might both have in advance and have those conversations so they don't feel completely blindsided. And um, it can be really hard to open up those conversations. I think a lot of people are, are afraid to voice their fears to their partner. Um, but we all have fears. Even people who don't have a trauma history have fears about becoming a new parent. And so my work there is just to facilitate conversations and help them figure out an action plan for okay, what, what are the worst case scenarios here that we're concerned about? And let's get plans in place so that we don't feel like in the moment we're struggling to find resources when we're already exhausted from having a newborn baby and, and totally stressed from right. the lack of sleep for those uh, first few weeks are always fun. Yes, exactly. Well, and I'm sure, I mean, I think about, you know, on ACE's connection um, and just um, how all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to realize the impact of, you know, adverse childhood experiences on the lives of adults and the work that you're doing is so powerful because it's then stopping that, that cycle, you know, by helping people become aware of, um, yeah, their impact. Cause I think like my, you know, about my dad and, you know, he had physically abused my sister and I in the first 10 years of our lives. And then once he sought therapy, I remember him sitting me on his knee and saying, you know, I never should have hit you. I, it was what I grew up with. I took it out, my anger out on you and um, I'll never hit you again. And I'm sorry. And that was such a powerful moment in my life because he never did hit me again. Um, and it was, it was a healing kind of moment. Um, even at 10 years old, like I understood the power of that. Obviously I still always had a fear, you know, when he would yell his voice like, Oh, you know, because I thought it would come back, but um, right. yeah, to stop that cycle. Um, and yeah, very cool. Yeah. And I think that's the part that mainstream parenting books don't acknowledge, which is that if you've had a traumatic childhood, it doesn't just magically go away when you grow up that these things that happened to us in childhood, uh, you know, there's some great neuroscience out there that explains exactly how it changes the way our brain develops and it impacts all of our relationships and especially of course our relationships with our children and when we have unresolved trauma from our childhood watching our children grow up it mirrors everything that we experienced as children and brings all of those things back up and for a lot of people um, it can bring up things that either they thought they'd already worked through in therapy prior to having children or things that they didn't even know were there prior to having children. And we've had some people say to us that it wasn't until their first child was born that memories of their childhood abuse resurfaced. And that can be incredibly disturbing and disorienting when you're already dealing with a very stressful time of life, becoming a new parent. Wow, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that happening, how um, you know it would trigger um, yeah, these memories to, to surface. Wow. I hadn't really thought about that before. Um, so you also do coaching work. So talk a little bit about the coaching work that you do. So I work with mostly moms and we commit to working together for a month, once a week, and then we go from there. 
and generally we do sessions over Skype and each session is, is slightly different because it depends on the person, where they're at and what they're dealing with. But I integrate, I have an arts background, so I usually integrate some kind of creative work in there, whether it's, you know, doing some journal writing or, you know, one time I gave an assignment to go sit down and do watercolor paints with your son. Um, or one of my clients uh, had left behind her creative practice, which was uh, creating jewelry because of the stress of new parenthood. And I said, well, maybe it's time to pick that back up again because you need that outlet for yourself. And then we work on integrating small, simple changes in, in routines that just help them to cope better with the, their daily stresses and, and triggers. And again, that's very individual. It depends on what's coming up for that person at that time. And then after each session, I send out a little action report for the week of here's some ideas, here's some things for you to, to try. And then by the end of us working together for a month, they have this document that I've created, which is their self-care strategy as a parent that they work with. And then um, if that's something they want to keep going with, then we continue working or we agree to let them go try all those things for a little bit and they can come back and check in with me down the road and do a little tune up and see how things are going. Wow. Again, beautiful. And I love that. I love that idea. I used to work in Head Start and um, we would have, you know, meet with families every so often and um, yeah, it's great when you get the parents keep, you know, the, that engagement um, and helping them realize, you know, patterns and habits and all of that stuff um, that they may, may, may need to change um, in order to, to help their children, you know, thrive. So, yeah. Yeah, and it can be really small changes. Often we, we work on things like what kind of self-talk is happening in the background that's influencing, that's influencing how your day is going, right? Right. So it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a, a giant aha moment or, or some huge overhaul of your lifestyle. Oftentimes the most powerful changes in our lives are just these small tweaks or small changes in the way we think about something or the way we do something. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. So I'm going to throw at you randomly my favorite question, just because it popped into my head. Um, if you could meet anyone dead or alive to help you with your journey and your mission of what you're doing, who would it be? Uh, I would love to meet the author Beverly Angle because um, her writing was really pivotal in me starting to understand my trauma history, starting to understand that I had a right to create boundaries in my relationships. And that was, huge in my healing journey. She was one of the, I think probably the author who, I mean, I read one of her books when I was maybe 20 years old. And I can remember just the impact of reading that. And I think actually it was recommended to me by a counselor that I was working with at the time. Wow. So I would really love to um, yeah, just sit down and have a conversation with her about her work and her life. Yeah. So do you um, want to share your personal journey? Sure. So as a survivor of childhood uh, sexual abuse, I had done many years of counseling and yoga and meditation and all the things, yes. you know, working, yeah. on, my, working on myself. Um, I had been married to my husband for 10 years before we had our first child. 
And I was really ambivalent about having children. I wanted to have children. I was also really afraid about whether I could handle it and whether I would pass on patterns of abuse. And um, so I had my first child and then five years later had a second child. And uh, again, it was an even greater level of ambivalence there. I'm much more nervous because now I knew what I was getting into. (laughs) I knew how hard parenting was at that point. And uh, I wasn't sure how I could handle having two kids. And from the moment I got pregnant with my second son, my mental health started to unravel. I was depressed Mm -hmm. all through my pregnancy, had postpartum depression. And I knew that what was happening was related to my childhood trauma. I knew that this was coming back up in a way that I had not, you know, and I thought this is so unfair. I thought I'd done all the work in advance of having kids. So this wouldn't happen. Right. And it still did. And I struggled and I didn't feel like I could reach out in your average um, sort of postpartum depression group because I knew it was specific to my abuse. And there was so much shame and secrecy wrapped up around that. And um, it was really a time where I was struggling. And then that was the point when I went looking for books and I thought, well, there's got to be parenting books that, that talk about this because um, you know, if you look at the statistics here, where I am in Canada is that one in three children experiences some form of childhood abuse. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. That's a lot of people who grow up. Most of them will grow up and have a family. And why are we not talking about this? This is, this is epidemic proportions right. of sure. struggle for people. Um, and so one day I was online on the website, Scary Mommy. And I found one article and it was called How to Raise a Girl as a Survivor. And the author, Don Dom, talked about how she was out at a picnic one day and this grown man came over and said something about how her daughter was pretty and it brought on a full-scale trauma response in her body and um, total flashback to her childhood sexual abuse. And at the end of the article, she said, I mean, how can we parent better if we can't even talk about the fact that these things happen? Right. How can we heal ourselves and work through this and be better, be able to be more present for our kids when we can't even have these conversations? Where are the conversations about this? And I read that article and I went to sleep at night thinking about it. And I woke up the next morning and I couldn't stop thinking about it because that's the question that I had been asking myself as well. And so I sent her an email and I said, look, I, I'm a complete stranger from Canada, but hey, would you like to create a book with me? And amazingly, this complete stranger said, yes, I really would. (laughs) And that has been a partnership of more than four years now. And I have to say also, one of the most profoundly impacting partnerships that I've had in my life. Wow. That is just like amazing. And I love, I'm that person too, that I'm not afraid to ask. It, It doesn't hurt to put it out there. Um, and yes, and when, and when the planets align and, you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. So uh, good for you for, for reaching out and, and just asking. Yeah. Yeah. The worst, the worst that someone can say is no. <laughs> yeah. And amazingly, she said yes. And then we started putting out the call for writers to contribute to parenting with PTSD, which we didn't know 
Uh, it was going to be called that at the time when we first started this process, we called it um, trigger points because we were thinking about triggers and how affected we are by triggers. And the fact that we were talking about PTSD and complex PTSD only came to us once we started getting all of these submissions from writers. And so many of them said, I have a diagnosis of, you know, either PTSD or CPTSD. And that was our aha moment that we weren't just talking about triggers. We were talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. So for Don and I both who had, you know, both seen many mental health people over the years, um, to work through our traumas, neither of us had had anybody ever say to us, hey, did you know you might have complex PTSD? Right. Nobody had ever said that to wow. us. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I get it. I didn't, I, I did not get that diagnosis until uh, 2013 um, when I started EMDR therapy. Um, and we were doing, you know, like body memories and all of that. And she, it, just in passing, she said, you know, well, with your PTSD. And I was like, what? And she said, well, yeah, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was like, no, didn't know that. No one has ever like actually said those words to me before. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. And isn't that an amazing light bulb moment when suddenly you can look back at your history and so many things suddenly make sense mm -hmm. that I think we often write off um, as trauma survivors that we are, um, we're just overly sensitive. Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. And, and that's why we are the way we are. We're just, we're just too sensitive or, we're right. just, you know, or too dramatic or, you know, we, we're just whatever label we put on it because we're just trying to make sense about it. Right. And, yes. and especially because often, um, for childhood abuse survivors, you were told directly by your abuser that the reason things were happening to you is because, oh, you're, you're too sensitive or you're too, too much of something. And that's yeah. the reason this is happening to you. And the child yeah. brain believes these things unconditionally. And then unfortunately it can take a lifetime to unravel those untruths that are in our head. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Still working on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, I think that it, right. You know, I, I think of it as, as those old tape loops, as you just said, that were played so often mm -hmm. um, in trying to redirect those. Um, you know, myself, I know um, I've done so many different, um, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the words, but not traditional therapeutic methods like Ho'oponopono, Hawaiian healing and um, EFT, which is starting to come to the forefront, you know, um, which is um, tapping or emotional freedom technique. You know, it's all about those that um, changing the, those patterns. And I think of it now as, you know, the brain is plastic, right? They're, they're, the plasticity studies are showing that we can change those ruts that we, because I think I used to say, I thought my, the ruts were, were so deep that I was just, I couldn't get out. I couldn't get right. out of the, those thinking patterns. So um, yeah. And that's great to know that, yes, you can. You can redirect. You can. And it takes time and practice. And like you said, there are so many different therapies available out there now, some that are more recognized by the mainstream and some that aren't. But even some of the, you know, um, traditional methods of, of healing, you know, looking at spiritual traditions, we now have the neuroscience to explain why that helps to rewire the brain. So 
I think in your healing journey, you just, you take whatever you can oh. find and you try it out. And if it works for you, whether mainstream science says it's valid or not, you just go with it. You just run with it. I there don't. are so many things that I have done in my life um, as an artist, as a singer, uh, those two things, art and the singing have saved my life more times than I can count. So we have so many things available to us that can help in our healing journey. And it's a matter of just trying them out, whatever it is, and seeing if it fits for you. Yes. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it works for somebody else, if no. it doesn't work for you. I could not agree more. And that's what I try to teach people as well is that, um, you know, create, I used, when I used to work with the kiddos um, in a mental health agency, I, we would create a toolbox and I would tell them the, that exact same thing, you know, fill your toolbox with all of these tools. You may just occasionally go to the one tool. Yeah. Um, and, or, or sometimes you may try that tool and it just doesn't work. Like I remember breathing, you know, breathing techniques. Um, mm -hmm. My therapist worked a lot with me with that. Well, I struggled because I was so uncomfortable being in my body that bringing attention to my breath became very difficult for me because then I was focusing on being in my body. Right. And I had to come to terms with ways to ground myself first, then learn to be comfortable in my body while it was in the midst of panic and symptoms. Mm -hmm. Then I could, then I could, once I get myself centered enough, then I could do some breathing stuff, which would then center me even more. But yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, some things just are not going to work for some people, but yeah, find the things that do work. Yeah. Yes. I had an experience when I was working with a coaching client and we were talking about that because that's, that's what I put my work focuses on is building your self-care toolkit. Yeah. And, and she said, wait, wait, I've, I've got a list here somewhere already. Um, let me go get it. And she brings back the list and she starts reading it off. And um, I think one of the things was like, take your dog for a walk. And, and I said, do you enjoy taking your dog for a walk? And she said, no, I hate it. I just feel like it's one of those chores that I just have to do. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't be on your self-care toolkit list. Then that's, <laughs> not, that's not the right thing for you. And I think a lot of people have, you know, maybe gone to a workshop and they have this list from the workshop of things, but they haven't stopped to consider which of those things really do work for them as opposed to what things they are supposed to work. Or maybe they might work like you were talking about with the breathing, but you need some tweaking. You need a way to, um, you know, get yourself into the right frame of mind first. Right, right. And especially when it comes to embodiment things, it is a really tricky for survivors to get comfortable being in their body and it's an important part of the healing process but it's something that has to be done slowly and carefully so that you're not just feeling overwhelmed and then stuck in that um, constant negative feedback loop of your body just feeling overstimulated and over triggered yes for sure for sure so how do how do people get a hold of you um you know if if they're interested in in contacting you regarding coaching work they can find me on my website and it's joyellebrandt.com. And on the website, there's a little form that you can just pop in and choose a time for a free 30 minute consult with me so that we can chat about where you're at and see if working together feels right for both of us. Um, I really believe that it's important to have that conversation first and not just book somebody in. We need to know whether we, we gel and whether yes. you're in the right place for this work because, um, 
I am not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I am a coach. And they're two very different ways of working with people. Yes, for sure. Yeah. What, so what is your dream job and are you doing it? This is it, working with people. And uh, I, I balance that out with my art practice. So I also um, sing and write and I am working on a children's, my third children's book right now. So I have this uh, creative side of my business as well that really helps balance out the, the trauma side of the work and it helps me keep myself regulated so that I can continue doing that work. Because of course, when you're working with people who are traumatized, one of the most important things is making sure that you're keeping yourself regulated. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I know I went into a little downward spiral over the past few weeks and I said, I've got to get myself, you know, do some self-care here on myself before I um, continue on helping others. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm really excited. I'm starting the trauma recovery coaching program in a few weeks and I'll be, uh, I'm sure learning some great more skills in there that'll help me add into my toolbox that I can use in working with my clients. Awesome. So any, any myths or facts that you would like to clarify uh, for listeners regarding parenting with PTSD? I think the biggest myth that we address in our work is first of all, just that just because you have left a traumatic situation, just because you are no longer in that traumatic childhood doesn't mean the traumatic childhood has left you. Um, so a lot of people will say things like, I thought I was over it. And then life brings you something and it might not even be children. You never know in life what sometimes people are triggered by um, really toxic work environments can be a huge trigger for trauma survivors. So life brings you some kind of experience and that experience is designed to show you those places in yourself that are still calling out to be healed. Oh, what a beautiful way to put that. Yes. And that's yeah, it. And sometimes it can be something very benign. And one of the things is me, you know, I have, and we still after four years of EMDR and 98 sessions and all the other stuff that I've done and I've done other therapy modalities is driving uh, is a trigger for me and we have not been able to figure out why. Um, so I, I, I don't drive on highways and I, I don't drive on bridges. And even as a passenger, I can sometimes experience heightened anxiety, no longer panic attacks, but it can be as something very benign that absolutely can trigger. Yeah. Those PTSD symptoms. Uh, last summer I was um, going camping and we had pulled into this lineup for what I thought was the campsite. And then I realized that it was the wrong campsite and we were stuck in this lineup and I could not move my car until they had processed like two vehicles in front of me and they were going very slowly. And I'm sitting in my car feeling this mounting panic rising inside my body. And I go over and I talk to my friend who's in the car behind me and she's like, eh, whatever, I'm on vacation, I don't care. We'll get there when we get there. And her reaction was so different from my reaction, right? Right. And, and so I'm trying to dig down and go, okay, what's, what's happening here? And it's, I'm, I'm trapped in a place that I don't have control of leaving. Okay, bingo. That's what's happening. And sometimes just being able to recognize the thought pattern behind that is enough to help you calm down. Sometimes it's not. Right. But I feel like every time I become more conscious of one of those kinds of things in my life, 
I feel a little bit more like I'm reclaiming myself from the trauma. Oh, without a doubt. I just wrote, I think I may have just blogged about that um, in the last few days and saying um, there's just such an empowerment. Um, yes, when we, we just take little bits at a time of our power back um, from, right. from those events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, well, and then you talked a little bit about, you know, resources that you've utilized um, along your journey uh, with the author that you had mentioned. Any other resources that you've utilized that have had an impact on your journey? Recently, a few years ago, I did a few sessions of IBSR, which is Integration-Based Stress Removal. And it's a type of somatic therapy that is based in Peter Levine's work, which uh, encourages learning how to tap into what's going on inside your body and just let your body shake out the stress, which is um, based on, you know, Peter Levine's work is based on the study of animals and how when animals run through a stressful situation, as soon as they reach safety, yeah. the full body shakedown, which helps reset the nervous system. And it's, it's such a simple, simple technique, but so incredibly powerful because we don't do that. And then that stress just stays in our body all the time. Right. Yeah. It's just that trapped. He, that was waking the tiger. Was that, is that one of his That's books? Yeah. yeah I recommend book. that book. Yes. Spoken voice is also one of Peter Levine's books. That I, okay. I, I think I do remember hearing about that, that they had, they accidentally stumbled across that. Um, they were doing a study of antelopes being like chased across the, you know, the wide open um, field. And when they, the one had been caught um, and then the, I guess, cougar or whatever had caught it, tiger walked away. It jumped up it faked being dead and then ran off. And then they, they noticed that it was just twitching and, you know, like its body was doing all of this. Um, and so they became fascinated with that, um, what was happening and it was, it was processing its trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And, and I know I have always thought my panic attack symptoms were my trauma trapped in my body and I had never, processed it correctly and or released all that what I called stored energy Um, I had all that trauma energy stuck inside of me and so yeah that's really cool yeah and there are so many practices now that you can use to release that trapped energy inside your body and you know for some people yoga works for some people you know it's walking in the forest for some people it might be, um, you know, using a therapy like EMDR or somatic experiencing. There's just there's lots of different ways, but the yeah, the core of it is just helping your body feel regulated, um, and recognizing that um, we can help ourselves regulate our nervous systems without necessarily having to go back into the um, memories of the trauma. Yes, which I think is a really important thing to know because I think a lot of people don't go looking for therapy because they're afraid to open that box and what that's going to mean and um, how, how they're going to manage that. And we can attack it from different angles. There's, there's lots of different options now that we um, didn't have 20 years ago or weren't, weren't very available 20 years ago. Right. I, I think there's a, I read an article recently uh, because I know with EMDR, I had, I went back into my traumas and it was terrifying. It mm-hmm. was, exhilarating because every, every time I left a session, I felt a little more relief, uh, but it was also terrifying to go back in. Um, but 
um, it, it's accelerated resolution therapy, ART. Um, and I, I guess it's a very similar to EMDR. I've been trying to research it. Um, University of Cincinnati, I'm in Cincinnati, I think is doing a research study on it. So very similar to EMDR in that it's, it, it's connected to the eye movement, um, but that you don't, it's not about going back into the trauma. It's about seeing yourself um, doing what it is you want to be doing instead of uh, by, by the trauma. So anyway, very fascinating. And again, I, I don't know a lot about it. Um, but yeah, a, a great approach for those that um, you know, are feel fearful of returning to their trauma. Yeah, and I've also heard of people who've had success with EMDR who don't have memories of their trauma but are able to access through the sort of the current patterns that are happening in their lives and what they want to change there. So there yeah, there's some great different options. And you mentioned tapping earlier and um, that's something that anybody can even just look up on YouTube and try it out if it feels right for them. So I I just want to acknowledge that being a trauma survivor is expensive and not everybody has access to the same kinds of services. Right. But we do live in the digital age of being able to access information and everybody can access something that will help them with their trauma. I really believe that. Yes. And you just mentioned YouTube and I think YouTube, it certainly helped me. I came across, you know, EFT um, and then realized a friend of mine, um, was doing it. And so we, we did some sessions together as well. Um, but yeah, YouTube is, is wonderful for, for meditations. I mean, like just guided meditations for helping me fall asleep doing yoga. I mean, I, there's a yoga practitioner that I follow, uh, yoga with Adrian and oh my gosh, I just love, she even has a, a PTSD directed yoga, um, video out there. So, um, yeah, very good point is that you don't necessarily have to see a therapist or, you know, but you can access, access help for sure. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think we covered all of our, all of our questions. Anything else that you want to address um, that we didn't talk about? I think I always just want to leave people feeling hopeful that whatever you're struggling with right now, it can get better. And I know for myself, I've been in times when, you know, my depression or anxiety has led me to believe that things are horrible and things will always be horrible. And um, I recently learned a trick that somebody told me that, which is that they record a voice message onto their phone when they're in a good place. And then when they're going through a hard time, they listen back and to hear their own voice saying, it's okay, you're going to be all right, you're going to get through this, yeah. things are going to get better. Yeah. It's just, it's such a simple but powerful thing that you can do for yourself. So that when a hard time comes along, you can remind yourself that it's not going to last forever, that things will not always be this horrible and that you do have that capacity for joy and good things in your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm going to use that. 
Yeah. I mean, again, similar to positive affirmations, but yeah, to be your own cheerleader like that um, and help pull yourself, you know, out of that place. Yeah. Very beautiful. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today and um, yeah, sharing your insights and um, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you, Terry, for having these conversations. Every conversation that we have helps somebody else know that they're not alone and you've had a lot of them. So thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, I, I thank you for the work you're doing. I know, um, again, as I stated at the beginning, parenting with PTSD, um, you know, it can just adds, not the parenting is ever easy, <laughs> but you add, you add that on top of it. Um, you know, and I, I just remember my, my poor kids, you know, now we, now we can laugh about it, but when they were little, my boys went to leave the house and we lived in a nice little neighborhood on a cul-de-sac, you know, little street. And my boys asked, you know, mom, can we ride our, our bike up to the lake at the beginning of our neighborhood entrance was a little pond lake and, you know, ducks and what have you. And they wanted to meet some friends and they were 10 and 12. And I was like, um, all right, but take your walkie talkies with you. So they had their walkie talkies and I'm not kidding. They got over the little hill at the end of our street and I couldn't see them. And I was like, are you okay? You know, I, you know <laughs> let me know when you've made it to the lake. They're like, we aren't even off the street yet. <laughs> like we just got over the little hill <laughs> because I was just so paranoid and something horrible was going to happen. You know, and they always had these conversations about, you know, but trying not to make them terrified of life, but yeah. Um, also arming them, you know, that there are just some not nice people in the world. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the struggle too, is, you know, and maybe we, well, I'm going to keep us on for just a second more, you know, is that something you address with people? Like, how do you, um, it is a fine line between making sure your children are safe, but not making them, you know, scared and, you know, paranoid. So do you, do you work with people with that? You know, it's something that comes up pretty often for survivors um, to varying degrees. I've met some people who say, I, I don't trust anybody. I never leave my kids with anybody. And as that's just not healthy for anyone. Right. To be stuck in that situation, right. Where you're the sole caregiver and that, that level of pressure on you and that level of distrust um, you know, your kids are going to feel trapped by that as well. Right. But again, that comes back to working with the parent, and then you can't, that's just a projection of what's happening inside their head, right? Yes. So <laughs> right. It, it all comes back to, okay, let's take a look what's happening inside. And what the key issue there often is, is just that parents don't feel like they can even trust themselves, they don't feel safe inside themselves. So then you don't feel safe inside in the world. And, right. uh, you know, it's not a, it's not an, a quick process to, to undo that. Right. That's a, let's, yeah. let's dive in and take a look at learning how to trust yourself again, because that's unfortunately one of the cruelest things about um, childhood abuse is that it takes away your trust in yourself. Yes. And, and again, I, I think it does come back to being comfortable in your own body and yeah. um, physically, mentally, spiritually, yes. 
all of those things. Well, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to do a little close out here. And again, thank you for Thanks, Terry. today. Everyone, thank you for joining us. And until next time, remember to be gentle with yourselves. All right. Bye-bye.